Welcome to the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart-centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together. My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heart-Centered Therapist. I'm Cindy Gozanski, and I am really honored to bring you a guest today. Her name is Tawana Wolfolk. She's an MSW and an LCSW, and I promise you, my listener friend, this is going to be a great episode. It's a little different than we usually do. We're going to bring you something that will inspire you at your heart and soul level, whether you're a human being, which I know you all are, and also somebody who's been through hardship, a therapist, anybody mm -hmm. on their own journey of healing. So this is for everyone with special thanks to Tawana. Yeah. So I let me introduce you because she has a pretty stellar bio. With 20 years of clinical experience specializing in complex trauma treatment, Tawana Wolfolk is a licensed clinical social worker with an MSW from Smith College School of Social Work. She is certified as both a trauma professional and a certified grief specialist and is trained in safe EMDR. She is in private practice at Sacred Ground Institute, LLC, where she's also the director and CEO. Tawana grew up in the foster care system after her biological mother terminated her parental rights to her at age of five. She suffered malnutrition, educational neglect, sexual and physical trauma. Tawana always intuitively knew who the right people were to steward her toward resiliency. She lives with her life partner and has committed her life to planting mustard seeds of hope and faith. Welcome, my friends. Oh, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Oh, my goodness. Did I tell you that it's been on my bucket list to share space with you and Journey on your podcast? So, I'm so grateful. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to hold back tears because it's just an honor and a joy to be here today with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And we're going to start off differently because there's so much that's happened in your life within the past week. And Tawana just dropped her mom off at the airport yesterday. And that may not seem like a big deal, but it was huge. And she mm -hmm. is going to tell you why it was such a big deal. Yes, because this goes you. way, way back. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So I dropped off my birth mom, Liz, yesterday to the airport. She came and traveled from Texas to visit me and my partner, fiance, who said yes to me on August 19th. I proposed to her. Ooh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So she came to visit. She came in last Wednesday and it was quite monumental. I celebrated my partner's birthday the day before she flew in on the 20th. And then from the 20th on, it's just been nothing but reunification, deep wells and pockets of grief and anguish, bittersweet highs and lows, more sweet than butter. A lot of moments of traveling back in time. And, but the one beautiful, 
beautiful, unprecedented experience was having her join me for uh, a party I threw myself. Yes, I did throw myself a party <laughs> for 20 years, 20 year anniversary being in the field of clinical social work. Uh, 20 years was in August. I threw myself a 20th anniversary gala this past mm-hmm. Saturday, the 23rd. Pretty cool. And We're going to get to that. And yes. what a great precedent for other therapists to think about doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what was quite amazing was for her to be present and to receive and bear witness to almost 30 years worth of history that she wouldn't have gotten otherwise from all of the stories from my beautiful guests of honor. Ah. So that was quite amazing. And we had been separated for 38 years and we reunited virtually with the support of a, a my beautiful therapist at the time who helped me orchestrate it virtually. And we reunited June 15th of 2022 virtually. I planted some, as you said, in your opening mustard seeds of hope and faith and which inspired the one quote that my birth mom said that she will never forget does have profanity on it. I don't know if I can share. If oh, I can yeah. Be- she said to me, she said, baby girl, when you ever said that I fucking deserve freedom and healing, that I don't have to be, and she gave me permission to share this, I don't have to be this dirty five-year-old anymore, that I can deserve to heal. And I deserve to love her and me. She said that it was all I needed to hear. And she's been in therapy ever since. And I hope her therapist listens to this. I want to thank you because I knew that my mom being in therapy this past year and showing all the way the fuck up for herself would mean showing up for me. And that that would help me neurocept the greatest safety with having her visit me because there's no way that she'd be able to truly share equitable healing space with me without her showing up for herself first and doing deep, deep trauma healing. And I just want to thank her therapist so much. Yes. Oh, thank you to Liz's therapist. Hopefully you're going to listen to this and see what a gift you have given this mother and daughter to heal together. And I just want to let our listeners know, I think this is so important that we are creating a sacred space here on a podcast for Tawana, her first real sacred space to talk about reunification with her birth mother and what that experience was like. And we are looking at healing of trauma and resilience as therapists, right? She is a master's level Smith graduate of Smith (laughs) College Social Work. I mean, you're talking to the best of the best, creme de la creme. And we're going to hear about what this journey was like for her and then to reconnect with her birth mother. Yeah, yeah. It was quite a journey. One that I didn't realize that I was going to embark on and but only dreamt of. And I just never would have imagined that at five years old, that all I remember was being just separated from, from her and my maternal aunts at the time and being taken by two staff of a, what I think was like more like an orphanage or a state group facility for youth. And it was a rainy day that day. And they put me inside a white car. And I just remember banging my little brown fists on the back of the window And I remember being really upset at the moon because the moon and I had a really deep relationship. I didn't know about spirituality right at five years old, but I do know that 
I used to make escape plans with the moon because it would shine right into my bay window. And it was the most consistent object. It was always there for me. And I could always find it. And I would always have conversations with it. And it never left my side. Even to this day, I have a really unique spiritual connection with the moon. But I never knew that it would keep its promise and help me reunite with my mother 38 years later. But it was quite an adventure of going through the foster care system and starting school. I started kindergarten at the age of eight. And and unfortunately, and this still may be true now, but I really wish that therapy for both the adoptive family and youth was more promoted, that neuropsych testing was more promoted. I'm someone on the spectrum and I suffer tenderly with learning disabilities and but proud of my neurodivergence, but it went unnoticed and invisible for too long. And, and I just, there was a lot that was missed, unfortunately, but that's what I get to, that's what I get to correct (laughs) currently (laughs) and what I want to give back um, as a therapist that is really trying to decolonize and these healthcare and healing spaces and make them more equitable and safe to give what I didn't have. So necessary. Who better to do this work than you, right? And that decolonization is so important, especially for others that experience trauma and and micro traumas and macro traumas at every level. Yes. Yes. And none of us, no matter what race, what gender, religion, all of us, none of us are immune. None of us Mm -hmm. are immune. Mm -hmm. And actually- digressing a little bit, but one of the best conversations I've had over the past few weeks was with some of my beautiful white clients who have, who said to me, we would have never imagined that, that another mama in our lifetime would be you, that Ah. you'd be mama T and that you would be talking so openly about our racial identity and our, right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't make it up. I can't make it up on how nourishing it's been for them to own and consent and belong to trauma that no one called the thing for them until they met me. Right. Mm -hmm. But this is what happens. This is what happens when the spaces aren't quite equitable and they're held rigidly and, but Mm -hmm. neither here nor there, but nonetheless, I really took what were the bittersweet moments of my journeying through life and early foster care experience. I got adopted at the age of 12 by a dear foster family that also was a very tender and challenging experience and suffered trauma in that family as well. And that led me to really intuitively trust falling into my knowing of who were the folks that were safe for me. And that started first with Victory Frankel. So that was just in the pages of his book, Man's Search for Meaning. He was the first one. And that was thanks to my third grade teacher, Ms. Coleman, rest in peace. She, I don't know, I don't know if she knew what she was doing to me in third grade, but she was speaking to my soul and her excitement and enthusiasm about our potential to grow and learn and to feed our brains with an abundance of knowledge 
I knew that I was going to carry that with me into whatever I was going to do in life. And that's often what you'll hear from my clients is my excitement and enthusiasm about healing, whether it's 6am in the morning or seven, my 6am or 7am sessions oh, during the week or weekends, right? They're like, what, who are you? And where? Right. I want some of what you have that energy. Let me tell you, that is all Miss mm-hmm. Coleman. I, that listen, well, she's, mm. She and just and you know, me. right. And I really want you listening to think about there had to be a teacher or a mentor or somebody, Someone. but like Tawana to remember your third grade teacher's name and what she did for you. Right. I can think, okay, I know my second grade teacher's name, but think about it. Who impacted you? For me, it was yeah. actually Mrs. James, my fourth grade teacher yeah. that really incited for me love of study and called oh. me out. If I ever said the word stuff, she said, we don't say stuff. You have to be more specific, right? Oh, and thank you, Miss James. Yes. Exactly. Let's give her flowers. Oh my exactly. goodness. Exactly. Yeah. We learned how you could hear and, and all oh. these different things. And but what we digress, but the fact is, all yes. along the way, you have a That's consistent marker of something, yeah. whether it's the moon or yeah. a teacher or someone that's gonna guide yes. you. And we never want to discount what that is for our clients, right? So when Tawana, you said, oh, it was the moon. I'm I'm five years old and the moon was like saving you each night. It was, yeah, Mm -hmm. it was. We are are fearfully made. We just, we have no fucking clue of our capacity. Mm -hmm. Really? And who would know, right? I mean. Yeah, (laughs) and what I... I really want, especially therapists who are listening to this, right? Because we've sat with system kids, right? That's what we call it, right? You work in an agency, you're like, oh, that's a system kid. Well, friends, we are talking to someone who came up through the system and is changing the lives of others in a way that makes it tangible. And she is going to help you next time you sit with somebody who's been in the foster care system or who has tremendous trauma and had abandonment of their self Mm -hmm. and their own capacity. And so Mm -hmm. that's why this, this episode is really important. Yes. Yeah. I really appreciate you squeezing the lemon around that because I don't think we, and this is for my dear fellow therapists and just other healers and just humans out there that are going to listen to this. Please do not underestimate the power of connection and attachment. It literally takes milliseconds. It literally takes milliseconds. And I think about how for over 30 years of my life, I really tried to be non-existent and make myself invisible and would cover up mirrors, would literally mm-hmm. jump at my own shadow because I truly did not realize the magic and power, despite what people were pouring into me, my parts and pieces were calling bullshit on that big time because I was, I my insides were less than hospitable, filled with self-hatred and insecurity and unhealed trauma. And until I did the deepest of my healing a few years ago through uh, EMDR intensives, that was the true game changer for me. And, and that's when I started going on social media. I had launched my Facebook account back in 2007, 2008, but never posted until the summer of 2022. Oh my that's literally, that's awesome. When I tell you I was literally trying to be invisible, like literally. Mm-hmm. And I want everyone to to go to Tawana Wolf folks Instagram right now and see there's no reason for her to be invisible. She she is she is goddess material. <laughs> Do you are too much. 
It's truth. I only speak the truth. Everyone knows that. Uh, but it's true. And yeah. you know what? This is this is all part of that. It permission is. giving, permission, permission giving yes. of ourselves. And Love you that. were saying earlier, someone gave you permission. Someone gave me permission. Yeah. And a lot of different people, right? Tell someone me about that, that someone who I consider uh, a true mother and maternal figure who I encouraged to go and pursue her master's in family therapy degree as a second career in her 50s. I'm so proud of her. Sheila Hubbard Spittler. She is one of my mamas. I met her when I was 15. Mm -hmm. And we are now we work in the same suite together and we are making magic together with healing. To my my college professor, Mary Lesser, who who she and Sheila banded together in my sophomore, junior year of college. And they were like, not on our watch. You are not failing out of school because I was on my way out. And I didn't know that they had like parent teacher conferences in college, but that was a thing. They were like, not on our watch. Uh, sorry. Mm -hmm. The professors band together. And I went to Quinnipiac um, University oh. at the time, graduated there in, in 2003. And let me tell you, those professors and Sheila band together. And I was able to get my GPA up and get my mental health on track to the point where I was able to travel abroad and live in Australia for a little bit less than a year to the neighborhood, my, my neighborhood that band together. I was a neighborhood babysitter, pet sitter, house sitter. They band together to help me get money together for college admissions and for prom for it truly took a community. And that is why I desperately, it is a non-negotiable to weave that into my work, mm -hmm. the power of community and how healing that can be as long as it's safe and equitable and optimal, because there would be no me without all those who took major sacrifices of kindness to show all the way up for me. How did you... Learn to receive care. You're talking about community pouring into you and giving you this care and resources when the tragic being given up by your birth mother experience made you feel like unworthy. Mm -hmm. You know, Sydney, I believe I'm still learning. It still takes my breath away to be grace others' kindness. I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if I'll ever not be shocked. Maybe it's still a growth edge of my own healing. But I tell you that first, I got my first glimpse of hope with my, my, my safe EMDR therapist a few years ago. I, until working with her, I didn't know on a cellular level and from like a client, both a client perspective, but a humanistic perspective of what it would be like to be held with joy and delight. And for someone to stay steady with you, no matter how much you're fighting, like my parts and pieces were, they were acting all the way up. And I love how you and say parts just, and pieces, my parts and pieces, yeah. right? They're still part of yourself. Still, yes. Yeah. And they were showing all the way out and she just, mm -mm, nope, she was right fucking there, right there in the pocket with me. And that was when I first realized that I was, I got literally, it was like a lightning bolt was like, oh, wait. I am worthy. I am worthy to take up space. I do. My existence does matter. Like I literally felt it on a cellular level as I was doing my healing with her. 
And this is why there's no better way for me to show up as a therapist than to be doing my own healing, my own advanced supervision, because to know what it's like to be held, deeply held with joy and delight and with unconditional positive regard, you've got to be in this, you've got to be a recipient of that. You've got to be in the client seat. You can't unknow that feeling because that's what helps me stay steady. And that's right. And that has just been, that was the start truly. And this was just what I'm 43. I'll be 44 in December. So this was just a few years ago that I finally, I finally start, started to realize like how to receive and that I'm even worthy to receive without fawning and appease, right? Because like people would give and then I would try to level up and because I didn't feel worthy. So I would like overperform and like double give. And now there is none of that. Now there is just, just really being in true abundance and gratitude. And I get to receive and I get to give. I don't know if that makes any sense, but. Oh, it does. It really does. And what I find so powerful too. And thank you for sharing so vulnerably, because this is just so touching deeply to me and I know to our listeners. What I find so powerful is that your healing came about because your therapist took the risk of being so deeply oh, she took big yes. risks, right? <laughs> and this is what our therapist listeners need to know. If you want to really help your clients heal, you've got to Get out of your own way, and it's not about you. And you take whatever risk it is to help you all the way up. She was so so authentic. Yeah, that's right. And you take a guess. She went off script when she needed to go off script. Uh She just did that. Mm. Yeah, it's really finding that way to take that guess about what your client is experiencing, and then go way deeper and help them embody it. Because you described this embodied healing. Yes. That I think is rare and it is a process because you probably wake up and you're like, what is this me? No, you're right. And I just want to thank you for this space is being co-created by you and I'm trust falling into you and the culture you've created. And so I'm also generously assuming that your listeners are also by default helping to create a safe space. So I'm truly going out on faith here. Mm-hmm. I just want to thank you and your dear listeners. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. Did you know one in five people will experience a mental health issue this year? Mentalhealththreads.com is your online shop dedicated to promoting mental health awareness and breaking the stigma surrounding mental illness. You can find fun, creative, and inspiring products like t-shirts, hoodies, and more, all with positive messages that remind us to take care of our mental health. Favorites like Perfectly Imperfect, Your anxiety is telling you lies. It's okay to not do it all. And no risk, no magic. Plus, we have a special collection just for therapists, like our bestseller. I'm a mom and a therapist. Nothing scares me. So come check it out at mentalhealththreads.com. Our mission is to start important conversations about mental health and to remind you that you are not alone. Check out mentalhealththreads.com today. That's very important to me that we're also reaching therapists that want to stay being therapists. And I see that and I love that about you, Tawana, that 
here you are, you nurtured your, your other friends to become a therapist and you work in the same space in the same building. And you're all about still being a therapist because we have so many people out there who need us to help them heal. And this yeah. goes back to your birth mother yeah. and her finding yeah. a therapist that helped her heal. And then you two come together like this is phenomenal. So tell Healing. us a little oh. about that, right? Like you said, your mother, your birth mother, Liz, came to your 20th gala. She got to see your office. A lot of us have parents that have never even seen where we work. They don't even know what we do. And to quote, I love that. To quote my mother, she said, Nugget, I have a whole therapist. I have a whole, my daughter is a whole therapist. Uh, <laughs> and I just, I just never, it is such a thing like for a parent to take joy and delight in their child. Like that is a thing. And it is such an, a need. It is an attachment need. We will, we're born with it and we will die with it. And, and she gave that back to you. Yeah. She gave oh, that yeah. back to you. Mm. Yeah, because she, that has been restored within her because of her, the healing with her therapist, that she is now able to no longer self-abandon and she's able to treat herself now, that five-year-old in her with joy and delight and be unfucking apologetic about truly belonging to self and healing and showing all the way up right? For the things she deserves to and live the rest of her life in peace. And that's what she is able to then pour back into me. And I truly have been made whole. I mean, it truly has been made whole. Like I have, I feel just so satiated and content and to see her not only be embraced by my chosen family and friends, but also at the gala, I had clients at the gala. And for me, healing out loud and by example, so that others aren't dying quietly is a thing. I really try to eradicate any shame, secrecy, or silence around the healing and growing we need to do. And why not me have my folks there to see it in action? It doesn't look pretty. It's not supposed to, but we need to know we, we don't have generative examples of healing. That's right. Through the messiness, through the bittersweet highs and lows of it, what it truly can look like, sound like, feel embodied like. So that's why it was important for her to be here, important to have open conversations, important with her consent to share about this. She and I are on a mission to talk all about forgiveness, to talk about healing, to talk about intergenerational trauma, to talk about safe spaces. This is all that, this is what it was about. And for some of my dear clients and my chosen friends and family to see it live and in action with the safe space that I tried to cultivate on Saturday, because it was all about healing. It was just breathtaking. Mm, yeah. Once in a lifetime experience. That's amazing. So phenomenal. And to set that up as an example as well for your clients and your chosen friends and family to see this, to not hide. And I think what yeah. Tawana, you say is that it's not pretty. It's not always pretty. It's supposed to be messy. Yeah. But when we show that all of a sudden yeah. we see yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's all right for me to yeah. be messy like that as I try That's to right. heal with my family, yes. with my friends. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not healing is not supposed to be performative. And I, one of my biggest, if I had a, a gripe about the mental health and medical and healthcare field, it is that we have made, and I, I own this bias. I own it. We have made it performative. We've made it performative by comparisons or you shouldn't do. We should a lot on ourselves and each other unfairly. We judge. We lead too much with judgment, criticism, and bias of each other. And that flows downhill to our clients. Our clients cannot know, can't, they can't unknow that. We have made it performative. We truly, the fact that our clients are so concerned about, am I good, am I good enough client? Did I do that right? Did I say, what? And when I say to them, they're struggling with getting their words out, say, be messy with it. As soon as I just say, be messy with it, then they just, right? It just, the performativeness melts away. And they, they just say what they need to say. And I got them. Exactly. I got them. Right. Right. Oh, I tell you, it is just profound to, to allow the space to be what it's meant to be and to show up equitably and human, you know, humanistically and all, to truly lead with authenticity and humility. It's brave. It's brave. Healing is brave. Yes. It's brave. It's very brave. And it's tender. Mm-hmm. Those and it's words. Tender. Yes, you say that a lot for a very good reason. There's so much tenderness there. And I think that performative part is also doing a disservice to the therapist community as a yes. whole, because that's another yeah. reason that we as therapists are so isolated and fearful of connecting with our colleagues because, oh, what if they judge us or they're too fancy for us? Or what if they have a criticism about the type of therapy I do? It's so hard, right? And I think that performative piece gets in the way. Yeah, Cindy, yeah. I was in such shame, secrecy, and silence, really, really up until I got on this past year about the fact that I love my clients. And I tell them that and said, I do. I was in such shame, like major, major fucking shame. I give, I'm of service. I just do whatever the hell it needs to take. I created a resource, my, my buy me a coffee page, because I was tired of my client's not showing up for their healing because they literally did not have the freaking money. What is that? What kind of world do we live in that you literally have to self-abandon and not get the hair, the care that you deserve? So I created a, a resource that some colleagues encouraged me to create because I, I give a lot. And they said, have you ever thought about just creating something where like people could just like like a tip jar, you know? Yeah. And I was like, okay. So then I just decided to create that as my access and equity fund. And it's a community thing. The clients give into that. My colleagues give into that. If, if they want to give of their hearts for something, I and those proceeds go to my clients. And when they can't, if they can only give $5 because that's all they can afford for, that's what they can afford. And they pour into the pot and- then that also then gives to the next person that 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 doesn't have the funds. Or maybe I've got several co- clients that have gone back into certain educational programs and give them a scholarship so that they can partake in social events through their program and for train fare or this. I we I needed to literally eradicate any red tape, any colonized exactly. gatekeeping, right. any of that. So that people literally can show all the way up 
and and truly receive. And and I was in shame about that because even when I started out as waitressing, my peers would say, Oh, why are you being so extra? Like, why are you being so nice? Like nobody's never that. Like, oh like that. It was like the disgust that people would like like truly tease me and bully me about my kindness. Yeah. Like, how could that be real? How could could that that be be real? real? Like the suspicion. And I realized that what's sad about that is we live in a society where kindness, leading with kindness and being of service is not the status quo. And that if you are doing that, that is suspicious. There's a secondary gain. There's an agenda. And people just don't know that kindness saved my damn life. And I get to, I would not be here with you and your listeners if folks literally did not take a risk on me, they didn't take a risk on me and say, hey, make sure uh, you give me my return on my investment. There was no, they just did because they could. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. Kindness saved your life, right? And that's what you're saying that we never know. You never know. And uh, you and I both have a a spiritual underpinning. We never know when being kind and one small act of kindness is going to save somebody's life. Right. Or make them not do something to hurt themselves or put themselves in danger or hurt their kids or whatever. Right. And here's the thing going back to the buy me a coffee page where a lot of people think that's for you. It's not for you. This is decolonizing so that access is available for your clients, for them to experience access to other resources, whether it's a scholarship, an Uber to the appointment, or something. Whatever it is, whatever a book. Whatever it is, an art class, whatever it is that is going to complement their healing and help them show all the way up. Yeah. And so I think it's it's so important when we go back to what you said, and I've said it every other podcast, I probably say, oh, you too. I say it's so important to love your clients. And yet that's almost like, right? It's like what? Considered not okay. And when I'm teaching my still trying my to figure it out after 20 years, students, <laughs> right? Still trying to figure it out because the profession, maybe they want us to have so many, so many barriers between us and the clients, but you know what? Yeah. You're not going to heal them if those barriers and obstacles are there. Yeah. And so you yeah. got to love the clients on your terms and only you can decide what that is. Are you going to be able to embody so deeply to want as therapist did with her? Maybe amazing if you can, or maybe you do it in your own way and it's different. You do it in your own way. You get to belong to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think about actually Friday, a week ago, this past Friday, I, I got my the official word that I was certified in EMDR. And so I got my official certification and congratulations. And That's a you. long process. Yeah. And now officially a consultant in training. And what was as I think about what we're talking about, I think about my own journey just to be a face to represent other clinicians of color. And I think about my journey of the gatekeeping that was had in my own, just to be certified in, in EMDR, the discrimination and bias that happened due to my race, due to my neurodence, and maybe not being good. And I don't know, like showing up with my clients in a way that wasn't. And it took a few failed attempts, but, and getting in a few failed attempts at showing it being part of unsafe certification spaces. But there were some beautiful people that again, like other folks in my life that just showed all the way up, took a risk and saw the value of a me being a part of 
these spaces and helping to train and consult and to create diversity and equity and to speak on these really important things. And so I just wanted to give nod to that mm-hmm. with, on that angle as well, as, as we're talking about our clients, but also the parallel process that we therapists also have to journey through. Does that make sense? my dear? It does. Absolutely. Because there are biases and prejudices that we yeah. experience and you just gave a great example and somehow you were able to finally yes. find a way to fit in yeah. with a certain group and get your certification. Yeah. And I'm so thankful because mm-hmm. now I truly, you know, I can, I can really do, you know, show up and contribute and give back and uplift other beautiful clinicians mm-hmm. that need that support. Yeah. You have so many amazing quotes out there in your different platforms. And one thing you say, as you talk about supporting other people is, I like to call myself a doula for the soul. Yes, ma'am. Just elaborate a bit on that one to one. Yes. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Love it. You did your me search, didn't you? Oh, <laughs> I did. I did because you're, you're really so compelling. I mean, we want to hear more about this. So yes, my dear partner, she has supported me on this, but I've decided I've chosen not to bear my own biological children and instead mother share my paternal and maternal energies and gifts through my work and through healing with my clients and my fellow colleagues that come to me for advanced supervision and consultation. All of them are my babies. All of them are my babies. I don't know what it'll feel like to birth my own children, but I do know what it feels like to birth someone through the deepest of their anguish and grief and trauma through to the their most favorite healed lovable version of themselves and i just i can't go back and so i from that i coined i just nicknamed myself doula for the soul because that is literally like that is it like it just describes what i do but this is what i do like i am birthing we are doing some deep, deep work on a cellular level. It is felt, it is embodied. You can't unknow it. You can't unfeel it. Every part of your sensory system and your body feels the healing we go through and we get birth through. And so that's a little bit of the story behind that nickname for myself, Doula for the Soul. Oh, I love it. And I mean, it brought tears to my eyes because it's so touching. And anybody who questions themselves, if, if they don't have kids for whatever reason, right, yeah. but they're doing this work of being a helper and a healer, yes. yeah. rewind that and listen to what Tawana just said, that we are still, yeah. myself yes. included, healing yes. and birthing others. And yes. it really is a beautiful testament that I'm mm-hmm. going to internalize because you're speaking right to my heart and soul too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that we get to reparent, right? And and so that my my mamas and papas can learn how to then show up beautifully for their children, right? And so on and so forth. That it truly is the gift that keeps giving. And there are so many ways that we can express our maternal and paternal gifts and energies. And I again used to be in shame, secrecy, and silence. I just came out with that last year broke my silence in around Mother's Day hmm. of 2023 around this because I used to think that people would think that I, again, being extra, being, but I can't unknow that for myself, that that's my path. That's my path. And I just have an abundance 
fucking love to get. I don't know how to. I don't know how to turn it off. I mean, I just. So why we not? We don't want you to. Why not? Don't turn why it not? off. <laughs> why not? Exactly. Exactly. Why not? <laughs> you know, and I really also appreciate you bringing in the polarities that we do also have yes. this masculine and, and feminine yes. energies in us. And people might look at both of us and think like, oh, well, we're pretty feminine, but we've got a lot of masculine energy too. Mm, yes. And you know, you have to balance those things. Yeah. That's maybe yeah. for another podcast. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. But going, going to what you were saying about the self and like that permission and yes. belonging to yourself. You say this time and time again, like belonging to the self, can you help us understand like what that really means? Because that also set you free. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So I, I came up with a concept that I teach my fellow therapists and nationally and internationally, as well as my clients about this concept of self-consent. And we all know what like consent is like kind of stereotypically, like what consent is, but I kind of wanted to bust the walls out from around that course with my pink fuzzy wrecking ball this is what I used to like clear some shit up you know <laughs> that's great yes so what when I talk about this concept it is and I learned this actually came up with this theory from some of my beautiful clients who were clients that came to me after some form of childbirth loss and I realized that their what they were coming to me for wasn't necessarily the, tr like what, what was keeping them snagged and stuck in their unhealing wasn't necessarily the literal death of their baby. It was actually the fact that they did not consent ultimately to the decision that they thought led to the death of their child. So I heard time and time again, mm -hmm. This is over 20 years, right? So I'm just like, right. I gathered, right? It's from my sociology and anthropology background. I'm just constantly like just gathering themes and oh, data. Oh, me too. Anthropologist right? first. Yep. And so I couldn't unhear how many of them would say, if I could, if I felt so much pressure for my family to go to the birthing center that, or to do this, or, and I just knew I should have trusted my gut. I knew I should have trusted my gut. Those beautiful clients helped me come up with this theory connect that I connect with this concept of self-consent, which really is truly, and also Brene Brown also helped with this. I've been studying her for the past 25 years. So she somewhat journeys around this. So I just kind of put it all together. And it really is about truly belonging to your yeses and nos and not self-abandoning that, that, that interoceptive knowing, right? Our interoceptive sensory system is so magical and dynamic, but it is that sensory system that, that gives you that intuitive knowing mm -hmm. that most of us, right? We end up self-abandoning and going with the masses going, right? Trying to whatever systems we're a part of, right? That we can't unknow the pull and pressure to belong and to want to do what, right? We cannot know that. And there's no judgment, right? It's just something that we just do sometimes automatically. I started then applying that to my clinical work and helping folks really heal and level up with their discernment abilities and capabilities and truly belonging and standing their sacred ground around what they wanted to do and how they wanted to show up in their lives. 
And so an example of this, like just a tangible example is I have a dear client who unfortunately had lost twins actually in utero and got pregnant again quickly after, but struggled with the partner and was like, he won't come. I keep telling him he's got to come to these appointments with right? So I told her, I said, this might feel like a small car crash in your bones, but I got to tell you something. You open for this? So I took out my pink fuzzy wrecking ball. I said, just need to clear some stuff up with you. Mm-hmm. I said, he doesn't belong. He doesn't, even though society and your family is saying he's the father, he doesn't belong. He hasn't consented to that title. He hasn't consented to that baby that's growing in your womb. Mm-hmm. She's like, I said, I said, you work in the human services field. What is it like to work with somebody that's mandated? What's that like? Mm-hmm. Well, they feel like they just, they feel pressured. They feel like they have no say. I said, that's what it's like when you don't consent to something and you show up to it anyway. And she was like, oh my fucking goodness. She said, that's why it's like pulling teeth. I said, yes, he has not fully consented to you. He hasn't fully consented to the title and meaning and purpose of what it means to be a father. He hasn't consented to, yes, just because you know, y'all made this baby together. doesn't mean he really consented to that and consented to like we, and it was like light bulb for her. And then she totally shifted how she showed up around him. And she made everything. I, I what I taught her was to make everything invitational and slowly, but surely, right. He got his, he, cause he owned that power and he got to really be discerning on what, right. And then lo and behold, he is all the showing all the way up, right? So I don't know if this makes sense. I know this is a lot oh, that I'm kind of sharing, but but just tell. It's what are you hearing? Amazing! That? I'm, I hear this incredible teaching moment, a gift that you gave to our listeners, that I really thank you for. And and what I hear is two things: one, how important that permission is, and I've been working a lot on permission in my own life and in my practice, especially working with folks that have trauma. And also I mentioned to you that I'm even helping right now care for my mother that has some needs and healthcare needs. And I'm learning that I have to also be invitational and ask her permission instead of just doing, because I'm so scared she's going to fall or be unsafe. And you know what? She deserves permission and her own consent. And so that's one thing is that when we can invite and give permission. That's, that is so healing. It's game changing. And then the other thing to Wana is how incredible that you had your consent taken away. You had your self-consent taken away through the trauma and the abuse. And this is what our other clients who have also experienced hardship have. They don't have any idea what I could have consent. It's, it's foreign. It's foreign and you were able to come to this. And that's part of integrating all your parts and pieces now. Yes, you got it. Mm -hmm. You got it. Yes, it is everything. It is everything, right? Truly asking the self, what do I prefer? What do I prefer? Right? What do I prefer? So I coach a lot of therapists across the world. I feel so humbled to say that, but I, I feel so like I, I'm geeking out because I'm like, oh my God, I, I like, there's so, I just love being able to show all the way the fuck up for my colleagues. And that's right. And the looks on their faces when I'm like, when I ask them, are you consenting to what your current schedule is? 
because a lot of them are struggling with trying to find balance and right. And they're like, well, well, the only way I'm going to get so if I do this or right. And, and I'll show them my schedule and I'll say, well, what's the data you see? Well, you work a lot. Do. And what else do you see? Well, there seems to be some, some balance here there. You, you like, you really, right. And they know, and they're like, oh, wait a minute. You don't work any nights. I don't see, I don't see any nights. No. Right. So then I, so, right. And I'm talking to them about like truly them belonging to themselves and being unfucking apologetic about really what does their nervous system require to truly cultivate a life and a lifestyle and relationships that fits like a glove on their nervous system. So I truly take a polyvagal approach when I work with my fellow colleagues on helping them create a practice, a schedule, a whatever, a shift, a flex and pivot it that they want. It's got to fit like a glove because if not, your parts and pieces are going to call bullshit and you gonna have some trouble. That's right. That's right. Forget so about anybody else calling yeah. bullshit. Your own parts and pieces are going to call bullshit. Like, what you doing? And it does. And Tawana is telling us we have to listen to that, right? Because we, we will try to quiet them down or ignore them, we but will. they're going to, they're going to keep calling you. They're going to find a way. They're going to find a way. Yeah. And, and so every moment of right. self-abandonment, it gets louder and louder. The self-abandonment. Yeah. So if you're doing, if you're learning polyvagal or using that with your clients, remember it's for your self-care. Oh, please. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So Tawana, you said when your mom came to the gala, your birth mom, and she said, I have a whole therapist. I just can't believe this. Just tell us a little as we're kind of like yes. coming to a close here, because this is just your sacred space of sharing with our listeners what yeah. reunification is like after 38 years with your birth mother. Yeah. Both of you had severe trauma in your lives. Yes. Yes. And you come together with this healing. What, what was it like? Like bring us into the picture. What was something like fun or sweet or nice that happened? Well, the, the really it all was it truly overall was sweet and nice, but I will be to, to, to give some peek into this. What really gave us the protective factors we needed and the resiliency we needed was how open both of us were and consenting both of us were and belonging to our own healing and our own truths. She said to me, baby girl, my truth is messy, but I got to, I belong to it. I don't expect you to understand it, but I don't want to keep nothing from you. And me then trust falling into that. And so I had to have some tender conversations with her that I chose mm -hmm. to wait until we were in person and seeing her openness, seeing some of it hit like a car crash in her bones, but then her thanking me for my honesty and again, trust falling into her and allowing us to journey through repair and me being able to say, I, I don't want a relationship with such and such. And, you know, can you, how do you feel about that? Or I would love to, or this happened with such and such. You didn't know this but can we, I'm open to repair and a really, mm -hmm. right. And her being a big part of that. Right. And, and it just, it was, I mean, talk about, talk about a five days worth of corrective emotional moments and periods of attunement, mm. right. Of attunement, co-regulation of her standing up for me, protecting me, learning what's too much, what's right. And just being able to have 
open, honest, tender conversations. Yeah. It is everything. And also seeing and letting her know, Hey, you don't have to be performative. Like you don't like, you can write, like, you don't have to do this to fit in. You don't have, right. You don't need, that's not part of the admissions ticket into my circle. Yeah. Right. And her, the learning that she had to, her own learning curve around, right. Because at the end of the day, she is someone trying to get into my good graces and, and she, even herself questioning baby girl, why are they just hugging me? Why are they just, why are they just in mm-hmm. such joy I would just think that they would just hate me because of what I did. But let me tell you, after all the speeches on Saturday and she heard from my chosen friends, family and clients, she literally said, and my cousin Lachey, who was bartending, heard it. And she literally had a nervous system release. It was, she literally, she gasped and jumped back when she heard my mom say this. My mom said, baby girl, I have no regrets. I thought, I literally have no regrets. Like I kept thinking and beating myself up for giving you up, but oh my God, what if I didn't? What I just saw today, I'm good. I'm good, baby girl. I'm good. Oh, Tawana. And and you you showed her that. You gave her that healing back to her. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing this. If everyone doesn't have chills, right? And and that's the deepest type of healing healing and love and faith and faith. Yeah. And to do it out loud and open in the open. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us this remarkable journey of you and all you've been through and not holding back, showing up fully. So, so grateful to Juana for your presence and what you bring and all of the amazing work you're doing with your dear clients. May you continue to love them and yes. show up Those for my them. Babies. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And yeah. be a doula of the soul. Yes. Yes. And for my colleagues and soon to be colleagues and just your listeners, like we get to, we, we so get to, and let's like figure out a way to connect. Let's be together. Let's empower. Cause what you're creating with your podcast and the facing in the Facebook group is just, we need more spaces, equitable, safe spaces to show all the way the fuck up because we are magical. And I just thank you. And I'm sending you so much love and healing vibes for you and your mom. Oh, thank you. I received that. And I'm so, so grateful for you to be here and to create these safe and sacred spaces with all of us. So very magical. Tawana, please tell my listeners where they can find everything out about you. And also, you guys, you can watch this reunification with her yes, mother. Yes, yes, I've seen it's it. It's on Instagram. It's on Instagram. I, I've watched yes. it a couple times because it's so great. Yes. I love when you point to that sign and, and you're like, Mama, what does that say? You guys are going to have to watch it to find out. It's pretty great. Yes. Yes. Oh, the my favorite, just really quick. My favorite part was like part, like when I kind of stand up after our initial embrace and I literally turned back into my five-year-old self and literally felt like a little girl. I literally, like, it was just so amazing. But yeah. So you have to watch so, that. And yes. also when she shows her mom, her office, those are two yes. must-sees. So where can everyone so, yes. find out so, about Yeah. You? Sacred Ground Institute on IG 
Also, I just launched my Facebook page last week, my YouTube channel. I launched that last week at Sacred Ground Institute. I've got a few videos posted, my intro video, as well as some podcasts I did earlier in the year, some of you, which you watched. And, and then also have a Facebook page as well, Sacred Ground Institute. And also my per- folks can find me on my personal Facebook page, Tawana Wolfolk. That's a public page. And, and also I'm on LinkedIn as well under just my name, Tawana Wolfolk. Okay, right. And it's sacredgroundinstitute.com. Yes. You can see her website and her offerings. Also, you train therapists and do supervision yes. as well, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I love also public speaking and and also launching into doing some long form trainings. I did my first one for Advocacy Unlimited, an eight hour in-person training, which was just beautiful. Journeying them around some of the, the same guideposts that I journey my clients around. So it was just mm-hmm. really beautiful to work with those peer recovery support specialists and supervisors. And so, yeah, getting into all of that this year as well. Love it. Well, I think a a very important thing is for us to all show the F up, right? Take our listeners out with that. What should we do? Show all the way the fuck up. Ah, yes. Thank you so much. And thank you for letting me be my sweary, shiny unicorns. Absolutely. What an incredible guest and human being. Thank you so much to to Tawana Wolfolk. And I hope that her story inspired you. It really is a testament to the power of connection, resilience, and the transformative nature of love and understanding. And I just really want to give my heartfelt thanks to Tawana and also to you, my listener, because of you, we are able to create this sacred space on the podcast for Tawana to share her journey. And I really believe that. And so I hope that you experienced her showing up authentically and get to embrace a little of the magic of her personality, that the beautiful person that she is that derived from her experiences. And as you go into your sessions this week, think about what she talked so importantly about that significance of permission and consent in healing, in recovery, and how that is critical to offer permission and consent for those who need healing. So I hope that you love this episode. Please let me know. Find me on Instagram or Facebook at the Heart Centered Therapist Community. And let me know what you think and what you want to hear more of. And until then, stay tuned for next week and stay heart centered. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.